Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. NFL football. For a lot of us, it's part of Sunday. It's on TV after church. Question. What's the best part of a game? Now, don't say the commercials. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl here, which is only, I know, it's only the only game some of you ever see. Uh, no, I, but I say, without fear of being contradicted, that an NFL game is most exciting when it's a close contest and it gets down to the two-minute warning. Two minutes left. But why the warning? Ever wonder that? Why give this two-minute warning? The two-minute warning goes back to the NFL's early days when the referee's wristwatch was the official game clock. They still do this in soccer, right? But anyway, it was that way in football, too. When two minutes remained in the game, he would stop the clock and let both teams know exactly how much time remained. Starting in the 1960s, though, the NFL made the stadium's clock the official game clock. But the league didn't want to do away with the two-minute warning because it gave TV and radio networks more opportunities to sell commercials. So it was kept. The words of Daniel 12, 1 to 4, have a lot in common with the NFL's two-minute warning. Now, those verses do not describe Daniel's own situation that he was in, which would have been back in 550 B.C., no, see, because Daniel is told, I don't know if you noticed, in verse 4 of the reading tonight, he's told by an angel to shut up the words and seal the book when? Until the time of the end, it says. Kind of like, don't get into these words until the end, until the two-minute warning. But it's really about the end of history, not the end of a game. And there will be an end to history. How do we know? Because it's clearly, and it's repeatedly taught in God's word. Just like a football game, human history will come to an end. But before it all ends, there will be what I'm comparing to the two-minute warning. The official signaled conclusion of it all will be on. What will that time be like? It will be a time of distress. Or how exactly did verse 1 put it? A time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. And Daniel is not the only one who says this. Other places in the Bible also talk about this time of greatest trouble. The book of Revelation, very famously, for example, as well as St. Paul in his two letters to the Thessalonians and our Lord Jesus himself in three out of four Gospels. Okay, well... Are we in that time? Has the two-minute warning been given? I don't think so. But I think, I think we may be very close to it. Why don't I think we've had the two-minute warning yet? Because there is to be, Scripture is very clear on this, a final wicked world leader called in the Bible the Antichrist. Also called, same person, different name, called the man of lawlessness. And he has not yet stepped out. Without the man of lawlessness doing his thing, we're not in the final two minutes of the game. Though, on the other hand, we certainly do live in a time of lawlessness. When the population, in general and increasingly, rejects God's laws, including natural law. 
And today, the rejection of God's laws and, and even of natural law, this, this is labeled today freedom. And that is not a positive sign at all. My point is that the population in general today seems philosophically primed to accept a leader of lawlessness when he does emerge. He'll be popular, remember that. Welcomed by most, like Hitler. People think, oh, Hitler, everybody must say, no, Hitler was very popular when he stepped out. <laughs> okay? However, this person is not on the scene yet, and if the Antichrist isn't on the field, then we're not in the final two minutes. But we might very well be close. Daniel chapter 11, which we did not read tonight, is all about the Antichrist. And Daniel 12 verse 4, which we did read, says that another sign of that final time will be that, quote, knowledge shall increase, meaning worldly knowledge. And you can see that happening in an amazing and unprecedented way in the spread of the internet. It's really astonishing. It might very well be an indicator. It's just that astonishing. Okay, so climate of lawlessness, unprecedented expansion of knowledge. Actually, there's a lot more that can be brought out here, and there are good reasons to stay glued to the game. But I can't bring it all out in this sermon. So, but if you'd like to discuss this more, and I can, if I was you, I would want to, uh, I'll, uh, I'll make myself available after this service. We can talk about it. One way or another, world history is ticking down. And when the end of the fourth quarter arrives, there will, be, there will come a climactic time of great distress. We may not be in the last two minutes, but the time is short. History is coming to an end. What's all this got to do with Advent? Christ's first Advent, 2020 or so years ago, was about a cradle that led to a cross and a crown of thorns. His second advent will also be about wearing a crown, a kingly golden crown. Christ is coming again as king of kings and lord of lords. The problem, however, is that too often we don't think about Christ's second coming in terms of a two-minute warning. Instead, we believe there's no need for all that urgency. And we trust the voices that say Christ won't return anytime soon, if at all. So what's the big deal? Live and let live. The prophet Daniel, however, indicates that we're likely living in the last days. Christ's return is near. Even if we haven't had the two-minute warning yet, still, we're close. Believers, therefore, need a plan. You know what we need? We need a two-minute drill. You guys follow football? The two-minute drill. You've seen it in football. What does that look like for us? Well, Daniel lays it out. Two parts to it, two elements to the two-minute drill. The first part is, get in the safe spot. Get in the delivered spot. And the second part is, invite other people into that same spot with you. That's the two-minute drill in summary. Get in the safe spot yourself and get others in there with you. Now, I better explain what all that means. In verse 1, yeah, Daniel prophesies that there will be a time of terrible trouble at the end, which we've just been talking about. But then he says, at that time, your people will be delivered. Delivered. That is, by the second coming of Christ. Delivered from what? He means from sin and evil. And from God's judgment on sin and evil. See, 
See, God himself is bright and holy, and his, his holiness burns like the sun. God's goodness, his, his holiness, it burns like, like fire, it burns, and that's a good thing. However, if you are all dried out like dead grass or dead bushes because of your sin, then having the holy fire of God come into the world is a terrifying thing. All sin and evil will be burned up when God comes in the full glory of his holiness. And you and I have sinned. How can we be delivered? Let me tell you a story. There was a duck hunter who was out in the wide open grassland, uh, sometimes called the savannah, of southwest Georgia. It was late in fall, and the grass was bone dry. Scanning the horizon for ducks, the hunter looked and noticed a cloud of smoke and realized the terrible truth. A brush fire was coming his way. Now, I don't know what you know about brush fires, but they can really move, especially if there's a wind, and there was a wind. And he was in an ocean of tall, dry grass. He realized he was probably going to die. But suddenly he remembered something. A ways back, he'd passed a big bare spot in the grass. Someone previously had lit a fire there, maybe a campfire, and there was a big ring of burnt grass. He ran back, found it, and then stood in the burned over place. The grassland fire came near, but it swept around him and even over him. He was delivered. When Christ returns, the judgment of God will be like that fire. It will be powerful and cleansing. But if we stand in the burned over place, you and I will be delivered. We'll be delivered. And, and where you ask, where is that place? The burned over place is at the foot of the cross. It's the place where we put our trust in what the Son of God did for us at his first coming. He was born in a stable. And he went on to the cross. And there, the holy wrath of God against sin and evil was poured out. But not on sinners, not on us. On Jesus. On the Savior. In his first advent, he came in perfect light and love to take the sin and evil of the world upon himself and to be judged with it. He took our judgment on the cross. Bearing our sins, the fire of God's holy wrath scorched him. And now is left a burned over ring, a place of deliverance. By faith in Christ, we may run back and stand in that place so that at the second advent, when God comes in the fire and holiness of great glory, we will not be destroyed. We will not suffer judgment. Jesus has been judged for us and by faith, we stand in the circle of safety that he's left. And everyone who has that faith, Daniel writes, has their names recorded in God's book. They shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So for the end times two-minute drill, 
The first thing is to get in that safe spot. And don't be fooling around outside it. Be in the place of faith. Doing the things that encourage faith and that build faith up. Be in the circle. There is no deliverance outside of faith in Jesus. Where else has someone been scorched to take away the judgment of the world? It's only him. He's the only safe spot. But within the circle of faith in him, we may actually rest in God's amazing grace towards us. And the second thing in the two-minute drill is this. Invite other people to get into that circle, that safe spot with you. Tell them about it. Show them the way through the grass, as it were, so that they too can get to faith in Christ. Now that's not going to happen by them not hearing about Jesus, but rather by hearing about him. So say, come with me. Pray for them and invite them to come and hear and receive what you are hearing and receiving. Free forgiveness and new life and assurance of eternal life in Christ. Daniel wants us to share this faith with others. And he spells out what will happen at the conclusion of the game. It says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. He's talking here about the general resurrection of all flesh. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's verse 2. In other words, when history ends, People will be in one of two groups, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. Are you hearing the words of Daniel? Everybody needs a safe ring, like the duck hunter did, in which to survive, in which to have everlasting life. Or to use different imagery, those living in the dark desperately need the light. That saving light is the Savior, Jesus Christ. People need true faith in him. That's why Daniel says, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Look at all the, the, the light language here. They will shine like the brightness of the sky, like the stars forever and ever. Here's the picture. The night sky a very dark night sky. And then against that pitch black sky, you see the moon and you see stars. What are they? That's us. That's an image of us and our church shining out and saying to others, come over here to the Savior, to Christ. We all know people lost in the dark. It's especially evident this time of year December often brings holiday stress, Christmas blues, and massive debt. The month presents a dizzying array of demands, shopping, baking, cleaning, traveling, entertaining. For many, the holidays are a painful reminder of what once was. This is especially true for those who have experienced significant loss, such as the death of a spouse, a breakup, or a divorce. What does Daniel say we are empowered to do for those who are in the dark and who are suffering so much? Daniel invites us to, quote, bring many to righteousness. That is, bring them to Christ, to Christ. Now, is this a ho-hum, maybe kind of thing? Let's think again about our two-minute warning. 
During the last two minutes of an NFL game, teams often employ a no-huddle offense. How come? Because the time's short. So you can't waste it on unimportant stuff like a huddle. That's what Daniel envisions. Make the most of every opportunity. And that means one thing. Bring many to righteousness. Tell people the truth. That the same as you, they've certainly sinned. Made a mess. They've blown it. But that you've discovered a place, a person, in whom there is forgiveness. There's safety and there's acceptance. Jesus Christ. And they can come along. Bring them to righteousness. Righteousness, you know, you know what it is? It's God's declaration of not guilty. And by faith in Jesus who bore our sins, that's exactly what people get. Do you want a play to use in the final two minutes that will help you? That will help people that you know discover what you've discovered? A play that will help people you know discover what you've discovered. What is that play? Worship Jesus. That's the play. Make worship a top priority. In these present dark times, that stands out because not many people do that now. Not many make it a priority. Show that there is a joy but also an urgency to being with Jesus. Worship him. Declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The time is short, very short. The end is coming soon. Everything, and I mean everything, changes. Just ask any NFL player. Better yet, just ask Daniel, who gives us God's amazing plan for the last days. At that time, he wrote, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting. Amen.